Chapter Two of Mother Carey's Chickens. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ashley Jane. Mother Carey's Chickens by Kate Douglas Wiggins. Chapter Two: The Chickens. It was Captain Carey's favorite admiral who was responsible for the phrase by which mother and children had been known for some years. The captain, then a lieutenant, had brought his friend home on a Saturday afternoon a little earlier than had been expected, and they went to find the family in the garden. Laughter and the sound of voices led them to the summer-house, and as they parted the syringa bushes they looked through them and surprised the charming group. A throng of children like to flowers were sown about the grass beside, or climbed her knee. I looked too with a favoured company. That is the way a poet would have described what the admiral saw, and if you want to see anything truly and beautifully, you must generally go to a poet. Mrs. Carey held Peter, then a crowing baby, in her lap. Gilbert was tickling Peter's chin with a buttercup, Nancy was putting a wreath of leaves on her mother's hair, and Kathleen was swinging from an apple-tree bough, her yellow curls flying. "'Might I inquire what you think of that?' asked the father. "'Well,' the admiral said, "'mothers and children make a pretty good picture at any time, but I should say this one couldn't be beat. Two for the navy, eh?' "'All four for the navy, perhaps,' laughed the young man. "'Nancy has already chosen a rear admiral.' and Kathleen a Commodore. They are modest little girls. They do you credit, Peter. I hope I've given them something. I've tried hard enough, but they are mostly the work of the lady in the chair. Come on and say how do you do. Before many Saturdays the Admiral's lap had superseded all other places as a gathering ground for the little Careys, whom he called the Stormy Petrels. Mother Carey, he explained to them, came from the Latin Matacara, this being not only his personal conviction, but one that had the backing of Brewer's Dictionary of Phrase and Fable. The French call them La Oiseau de Notre Dame. This means the birds of Our Lady, Kitty, and they are the sailors' friends. Mother Carey sends them to warn seafarers of approaching storms, and bids them go out all over the seas to show the good birds the way home. You'll have your hands full if you're going to be Mother Carey's chickens. "'I'd love to show good birds the way home,' said Gilbert. "'Can a naughty bird show a good bird the way home, Addie?' This bland question came from Nancy, who had a decided talent for sarcasm, considering her years. Of course the Admiral might have stopped the children from calling him Addie, but they seemed to do it because Admiral was difficult, and anyway they loved him so much they simply had to take some liberties with him. Besides, although he was the greatest disciplinarian that ever walked a deck, he was so soft and flexible on land that he was perfectly ridiculous and delightful. The day when the children were christened Mother Carey's chickens was Nancy's tenth birthday, a time when the family was striving to give her proper name, having begun wrong with her at the outset. She was the first, you see, and the first is something of an offence, take it how you will. It is obvious that at the beginning they could not address a tiny thing on a pillow as Nancy, because she was too young. She was not even alluded to at that early date as she, but always as it, so they called her baby, and let it go at that. Then there was a long period when she was still too young to be called Nancy, and though so far as age was concerned she might properly have held on to her name of baby, she couldn't with propriety, because there was Gilbert then, and he was baby. Moreover, she 
gradually became so indescribably quaint and bewitching and comical and saucy that everyone sought diminutives for her, nicknames, fond names, little names, and all sorts of words that tried to describe her charm, and couldn't, so there was poppet and smiles and minx and rogue and midget and ladybird, and finally nan and nanny by degrees to sober nancy. "'Nancy is ten to-day,' mused the Admiral. "'Bless my soul! How time flies! "'You were a little ensign, Carey, "'and I well remember the letter you wrote me "'when this little lass came into harbour. "'Just wait a minute. "'I believe the scrap of newspaper version enclosed "'has been in my wallet ever since. "'I always liked it.' "'I recall writing to you,' said Mr. Carey. "'As you had lent me five hundred dollars to be married on, "'I thought I ought to keep you posted.' "'Oh, father, did you have to borrow money?' cried Kathleen. I did, my dear. There's no disgrace in borrowing if you pay it back, and I did. Your Uncle Alan was starting in business, and I had just put my little capital in with his when I met your mother. If you had met your mother, wouldn't you have wanted to marry her? Yes, cried Nancy eagerly. Fifty of her, at which everybody laughed. And what became of the money you put in Uncle Alan's business? asked Gilbert, with unexpected intelligence. There was a moment's embarrassment and an exchange of glances between mother and father before he replied, "'Oh, that's coming back multiplied six times over one of these days. Alan has a very promising project on hand just now, Admiral.' "'Glad to hear it. A delightful fellow, and straight as a die. I only wish he could perform once in a while, instead of promising. He will, if only he keeps his health, but he's heavily handicapped there, poor chap. Well, what's the first? The Admiral put on his glasses, prettily assisted by Kathleen, who was on his knee, and seized the opportunity to give him a French kiss when the spectacles were safely on the bridge of his nose, whereupon he read, There came to port last Sunday night the queerest little craft, without an inch of rigging on. I looked and looked and laughed. It seemed so curious that she, she crossed the w unknown water and moor herself within my room. My daughter, oh, my daughter! Yet by these presents witness all, she's welcome fifty times, and comes consigned to hope and love and common meter rhymes. She has no manifest but this, no flags floats over the water. She's rather new for British Lloyds. My daughter, oh, my daughter! Ring out wild bells, and tame ones too. Ring out the lover's moon. Ring in the little worst socks, ring in the bib and spoon. Oh, Peter, how pretty, said Mother Carey, all in a glow. You never showed it to me. You were much too occupied with the aforesaid queer little craft, wasn't she? Nan, I mean Nancy, and her father pinched her ear and pulled a curly lock. Nancy was a lovely creature to the eye, and she came by her good looks naturally enough. For three generations her father's family had been known as the handsome Careys, and when Lieutenant Carey chose Margaret Gilbert for his wife, he was lucky enough to win the loveliest girl in her circle. Thus it was still the handsome Careys in the time of our story, for all the children were well favoured, and the general public could never decide whether Nancy or Kathleen was the belle of the family. Kathleen had fair curls, skin like a rose, and delicate features, not a blemish to mar her exquisite prettiness. All colours became her, all hats suited her hair. She was a Carey beauty so long as Nancy remained out of sight, but the moment that young person appeared Kathleen left something to be desired. Nancy peaked, Nancy sparkled, Nancy glowed, Nancy occasionally pouted and not infrequently blazed. Nancy's eyes had to be continually searched for news both of herself and of the immediate world about her. 
If you did not keep looking at her every once in so often, you couldn't keep up with the progress of events. She might flash a dozen telegrams to somebody about something while your head was turned away. Kathleen could be safely left unwatched for an hour or so without fear of change. Her moods were less variable, her temper evener, her interest in the passing moment less keen, her absorption in the particular subject less intense. Walt Whitman might have been thinking of Nancy when he wrote— there was a child went forth every day, and the first object he looked upon, the object he became, and the object became part of him for the day, or a certain part of the day, or for many years, or stretching cycles of years. Kathleen's nature needed to be stirred, Nancy's to be controlled, the impulse coming from within, the only way that counts in the end, though the guiding force may be applied from without. Nancy was more impulsive than industrious, more generous than wise, more plucky than prudent. She had none too much perseverance, and no patience at all. Gilbert was a fiery youth of twelve, all for adventure. He kindled quickly, but did not burn long, so deeds of daring would be in his line, instantaneous ones, quickly settled, leaving the victor with a swelling chest and a feather in his cap, rather an obvious feather suited Gilbert best. Peter, oh, Peter, aged four, can be dismissed in very few words as a consummate charmer and heartbreaker. The usual elements that go to the making of a small boy were all there, but mixed with white magic. It is painful to think of the dozens of girl babies in long clothes who must have been feeling premonitory pangs when Peter was four, to think they couldn't all marry him when they grew up. End of chapter two. Recording by Ashley Jane.